0: Welcome to Industrial Theory with Carrie Siggins. In this podcast, we talk with leaders and doers throughout the industrial cleaning industry who are changing the way we think about cleaning the world. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. Welcome to Industrial Theory. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm excited to be here today with my guest, Stephen Trevino, Program Manager for Sprint Robotics. Launched in 2015, Sprint Robotics is a global, not for profit, industry driven initiative that promotes the development, availability, application and commercialization of robotic techniques and technical inspections and maintenance of capital intensive infrastructure Stephen has recently created a task force for cleaning and fabric maintenance which encompasses industrial cleaning and high pressure water jetting activities thanks for being on the show Stephen
1: Carrie good morning thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure Glad here. You're here
0: Glad you're here all right let's jump right into this. So many people who are going to listen to this show don't know who you are. Um, Can you take a few minutes to tell us about yourself, including how you got involved with Sprint Robotics?
1: Absolutely. So early on in my career, um, I've always been involved in asset integrity. I started off um, as a new grad doing um, rotating equipment, uh, rebuilds. Um, That's my introduction to technology and, and manufacturing. And I slowly evolved to uh, to more hazardous environment applications um, and and inspections uh, just based on my passion for for technology. <clears throat> and now I've, I've I had the opportunity to come back to another organization and again facilitate the knowledge understanding applications of these technologies um, uh, from an industry's perspective. And so what we're what we're doing now at Sprint is we're looking at assets from an owner operator perspective. Our objective and our mission is to um, is to align the industry and their understanding of, of what is commercially available today. So it's a great niche for us to leverage all our strengths. We have the SMEs, we have the owner operators, we have the robotics technology service providers, and, and now we've got the cleaning and fabric maintenance SMEs. So we're leveraging the SMEs to capture high risk and high cost tasks that can be robotized
0: so, so tell me a little bit more about how that works. I mean, so you are a, a group of, of of asset owners and manufacturers and other SMEs coming together to, to really promote the development of this ty- and commercialization of these type of robot. So what is the end game for Sprint? Um, are you there to help manufacturers um, get these robots made and and adopted into the facilities as quickly as possible? You know, when you look, when you look a couple of years ahead of now, what, what does success look like?
1: Great question. So looking just a couple of years and, and even beyond honestly, our vision at Sprint is you would see, if you just imagine a pipeline right away, you see this pipeline, let's say it's sitting above ground and uh, you've got several utilities since these right-of-ways for, are used for, for various various purposes a pipeline could be one of them, you know. Let's say there's a a crew, a construction crew in the area, and the, and they're working, you know, adjacent to this this right of way. Um, what you could potentially see is the internet connectivity, the IoT detecting presence, and so you can have a message that's sent to the owner operator that says presence has been detected. You know, various cameras, you know, using using machine vision um, and various algorithms to to identify various events that are happening on this right-of-way so you could get a notification this notification could then deploy a drone a fixed wing so you could uh, get a fixed wing get a closer visual on this party and that can all be automated then um, you could also send them a message and just let them know via their cell phones and let them know that they're on the right-of-way and, uh, and and that they're trespassing, and please leave. And if not, you know, uh, um, we will take necessary steps to to ensure that 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 the right of way is safe. What you'd also see is you could then deploy. Once you get the fixed wing, you could then um, deploy a ground or crawler, such as one of the quadrupeds, or the the dog uh, form factor robot, to take another closer visual or, or attract robot. You know, it, it's the connectivity of of your assets. Um, and, and automation of deployments, so you can have these platforms interacting with the environment, interacting with each other. And then, let's say if somebody has to physically go down and 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 talk to a contractor who may be on the property uh, um, on a day they shouldn't be, uh, you can you can have this collaboration with robotics. So so that's what we call collaboration and cohabitation, where where you're working either side by side a robot or are in collaboration with a robot doing various various tasks um so we you just see uh, robotic drones you would see crawlers uh, magnetic crawlers suction based crawlers using various sensors going on on routine missions so if if it's a facility for example every every morning at 7am you can have this robot go and do a routine walk down taking visuals making sure your fire extinguishers are are in place making sure there's no debris walking blocking walkways making sure there's no presence making sure you know if it's got a four or five gas monitor on it, it can do a leak detection, it can do various things. Basically the sky is the limit. And so that is the overall goal is to understand what these technologies are capable of, what provides value to the owner operators, and then the engineering design perspectives. What does an existing facility today look like? What does the robot look like? And can those two come together in a seamless, fully autonomous operation or even semi-autonomous? So, uh, so it's a, a merger between connectivity, design, and, and functionality, what, what do you need it to do and, and what is it capable of?
0: And so do you feel like most of these technologies already exist and it's really about bringing it together or do you think that there's um, a lot of R&D that has to go in to making um, this vision a reality?
1: I think a lot of the sensors absolutely already exist. If you look at ultrasonics, ultrasonics has been around for decades, uh, came from uh, medical applications and, and is used uh, a lot in, in industrial applications as well. I, you know and, and we see that even today, if you look at other novel inspection technologies, they're using technology, They're just they're, they're analyzing it in a different way. We're able to do things differently. So when you have a data set that's created by a particular sensor, 10 years ago, you may have only gotten a portion of that data, but using the advanced analytics we have today, you're getting a lot more data than than you thought you had. So even the new technologies we see coming to market, um, they're still leveraging potentially 15 to 20 year old technology.
0: So it seems to me as these uh, as this technology and 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 really systems come to fruition, that there is going to be some business model modification that's going to have to happen i mean right now you have various contractors who do various tasks and who have access uh, to various types of technology coming in and doing you know each of these types of things you know either manually or you know using some automation um, but but not necessarily full robotic solutions yet although in some instances uh, they are so do you see that the plant will take over um, more of these activities um, as they really come together into one system? Or do you see that industrial cleaning contractors, um, maintenance contractors, mechanical contractors will play a a role in this? And will their business models need to change to adapt?
1: Oh, absolutely. This is a constant evolution of, of understanding we within Sprint see a lot of fantastic uh, robotics companies joining the organization and engaging. And the biggest barrier is the knowledge and understanding of, of, of the, that operating environment. And so really, to, in my personal opinion, I think the biggest barrier is just understanding the hazardous environment when you put a te- piece of technology in an environment that could have vapors or um, you know just just the p- possibility for an event um, you have to be very careful with with the d- the electrical design and for that reason that is the primary barrier for getting new technology into these environments is is the electrical certification so that's the atex atex rating so that's the explosive atmospheres atex certification here in North America if you if you're trying to do work specifically on on the North American continent you'd need to conform to the North American electrical standard and that is a class zone definition so you would want to be class 1 division 1 which would be the highest certification you could achieve. But once you do that, you wouldn't get any pushback from any operators. You know, you just show them the third party certification, show them that the robot actually physically has a stamp and uh, answer a couple questions, let them see the demo. And once you have the certification, the electrical safety questions tend to go away.
0: And so then how does that play into um, the relationship between the plant, the contractor, and the the OEM how do you see that playing out 5 years
1: from now so it's just it just depends on case by case you know what the operator actually needs cuz not every operator has the same needs what the uh, robotics company wants to provide and then aligning any synergies cuz you're absolutely right these operators have maintenance companies maintenance contracts where they have companies coming out routinely so would it make sense for a robotic startup to become a service company when the service company may already exist you just put the robot in their hands and now they can be trained and and, and qualified to deploy it to me that sounds like a win and i would encourage robotic developers to look at partnering with existing maintenance contractors for that very reason you 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 know they they've got the contracts in place the msas uh, the safety certifications and the connections so, if you enable them with technology, it enable them to do more by by deploying these state- of the art solutions, it's it's really a win for for them and the owner operator that that's responsible for maintaining and managing that asset.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's you know to be a manufacturing company and a service company is a very difficult thing. Uh, and I think a few companies have tried it, you know, where, you create a, a robot and realize that it's it's really hard to sell and really hard to teach and train contractors or plant personnel to run it. So you think, okay, I need to have a service division and vice versa. You're a service provider and think, oh, I can create this piece of technology and have um, you know, a leg up on, on my competitors. And they're just such two different worlds that a, a, a good solid partnership between an OEM and a contractor, I think can add really significant value to an asset Owner, and that's of course you know that I'm heavily involved with the um, Global Industrial Cleaning Coalition, uh, the GICC, which is you know trying to help create global standards in industrial cleaning. Uh, we started with high-pressure water jetting, and and now we just released uh, vacuum truck cleaning, and we'll be working on chemical cleaning next. But the goal really is is to bring those three key stakeholders. Together to say how do we advance safety and technology together because it's going to to take all three of us and everybody has to be at the table to to talk about what that new vision that new future looks like and how do we get there.
1: Absolutely, it's definitely a conversation where we have to have the support of the mechanical contractors on site. When you bring new technology, they're the ones that are physically going to be using it, deploying it, and, and, and providing the results to the owner-operator. So they can almost be a barrier as well when um, these technological advances may also impact the, their, their, the size of their workforce or the number of jobs they do at, at, at such a high price since some of these applications are, are very, very advanced. Yeah, you've got to make sure that that the, that they they understand that the overall value is is not not just for 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 their specific company, but but for the owner operator and the industry as a whole. When we b- try to bring down these numbers on confined space entries, uh, fatalities, and, and incidents that are reported to to these uh, regulatory agencies, it's unfortunate that that we still see these events taking place and happening on a daily basis, but. Uh, we think by deploying robotics and and eliminating these permits and changing the methodology of thinking, let's send a human in there, to let's send a robot, robots first, um, is really the way to go. So so that's what we're pushing and and that's how we're trying to standardize robotics as being the first option, um, and and that's again focusing on 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 what we're seeing in response to industry initiatives by regulators.
0: Yeah. And I think that that has to be driven by the asset owner. I've said uh, dozens of times to the various organizations that I work with, you know, whether with Stone Age or the GICC or the WJTA, you have to have broad proliferation of advancement of technology and safety throughout a broad industry. Having one or two or even just five companies who say, you know, we want to invest in this and and really drive this type of technology in our facilities, it's going to be difficult if not a broad uh, broad range of asset owners really adopt it and require it because it's expensive to develop this type of equipment and to uh, invest in this type of equipment. it's It's capital intensive, which is you know very different than what certainly in our industry um, with high pressure water water jet cleaning has been. And so, you know, if you're looking at asking OEMs and robotic companies to make this type of equipment and and, and mechanical contractors, um, industrial cleaning contractors to invest in it, they need to be able to get utilization on those products and, you know, reinvest into, back into their companies. So that's why I think it's really unique what Sprint is doing. And, and this is really driven by the asset owners. And I think it's incredibly important because to create that vision uh, that you outlined a few minutes ago, it has to be more than just a handful of, of asset owners requiring it. So I think that it, that's something that is really unique, that it is that Sprint Robotics is driven by industry uh, leaders and asset owners. So can you talk a little bit about how they're really driving the conversation uh, in some of these task force and why do you think their involvement involvement makes Sprint Robotics unique?
1: the task guides provide visibility to to opportunities for robotic development and deployment we're talking about the standardization of or industry consensus on on state of the art cleaning and fabric maintenance so that's that white paper opportunity where where we can have an SME that's on our team co-author this paper for us uh, that can then be used to further accelerate our strategic roadmaps. So we have our strategic roadmaps that outlines the -the state-of-the-art for oil and gas robotics um, that's iterated once per year. This state-of-the-art white paper for cleaning and fabric maintenance can then go into our strategic roadmap and we can begin including cleaning and fabric maintenance as an individual section on our strategic roadmap for further continuation. Um, so it's the it's the task guides, it's the white paper that feeds into our roadmaps. And then lastly is uh, an industry challenge. So we're discussing right now opportunities to formulate a challenge within the task force. And this would award a specific number of dollars to the development of a new technology or new application for an already existing technology, and so this this challenge is still being formulated. But but obviously, we envision storage tanks, pressure vessels, process piping, remote operations, and then and then cleaning and fabric maintenance being a significant component to to what we're seeking um, when we issue this challenge. So um, so that's that's really what we're working on within the task force. We're also uh, creating a knowledge base for commercialized solutions in the space Um, other than that it would be the webinars so we're connecting bi-weekly with our task force and uh, the the collaborative in general um, with bi-weekly webinars so we're inviting uh, special guests to come and and communicate to the task force and to to the community at large what solutions they have what solutions they're working on and what they see as being the biggest barriers Uh, we try to to end each call with a good 15-20 minute discussion on on barriers. What are the significant gaps preventing global scale? You know, not even global scaling. We just want to get this robot into this facility one time. Why? You know, why isn't it, you know, every operator deploying this one time to 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 understand what it means for them in, in that application and and that facility or in that and uh, that and that asset? You know, what value are these technologies bringing um, to the asset owners? So. Um, with that, we're building our knowledge base. And that's basically a collection of case studies or of various deployments where we can share amongst the group and and, and capture fully commercialized technologies readily available on the market today.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that's important. Uh, you know, people are so resistant to change and that it's driven by fear, fear of failure, right? And so when something has been done, a certain way for so many years, why take the risk on this new robotic solution and have it fail, especially when this work is, is highly important, it's high risk, you're in a shutdown and you've got to get the, the pressures on to get back up online and back up and running. So I think having those that education piece and proving it out will help some of that. Uh, and maybe answer that question. You know, why can't we get this deployed at a larger scale? I think you have to to be able to really show people that it's not scary and that you can minimize the risks of failure by trying new things. Uh, but but also partnering together, you know, with the key stakeholders to to minimize those risks to try to ensure success. But some of it's just going to have to be you're just going to have to try something new, right? That's incredibly important and that's risky.
1: So that's a great point is that we we want to and that's one of the main reasons why we come together as a collaborative. We want to build success from success. So within Sprint we are very lucky. We have the community that is seeking these technologies. We have we have the contacts that want these technologies that are trying to get these technologies into their facilities. And so from that um, um we have a great uh, collection of resources where you can ask these questions directly. You know, I'm I'm communicating with your facility out in, in this state and I'm getting significant pushback, you know, from your perspective. Um, why, why does this challenge exist? Um, there may be particular reasons with one individual at that facility where he, you know, for example, he could be getting ready to retire and doesn't want to change anything. It could be a year, six months, two years, doesn't matter. But that's a a, a personal resistance to change and that's, the the mindset you don't need to take risks there's no incentive like you mentioned just a second ago there's only consequences when you try something new great. you know if, if you try something new and you get the job done you just get you know you you check the box you did your job if you don't get an a, 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 an extra bonus you don't get recognition you know you did your job great you tried something new okay great if conversely if you did that same task where you're trying something new and it goes wrong something doesn't work or something happens and and uh, you weren't able to to do what you intended to do well now that's a that's a failure and and obviously that's going to require rework that's an impact to your budget uh, and your schedule so those are all negative consequences and so if we can incentivize these operators to try new technology to get them get understanding and further develop their applicability that i think that would be a great goal and initiative for for the industry is to to incentivize operators for deploying new technology
0: and what do you think some what do you think those incentives are like what what would motivate that guy who's getting ready to retire in a year or two and and just doesn't want to take the risk
1: that's a great question, and and something that that we've we've tried to discuss on our calls. You know, they already receive tax credits by develop by by investing in in, in low TRL level technologies, um, and so that's a way for them to get some of their investments back when they when they see a high value opportunity. So, yeah, I'm really not sure how we could incentivize it, and that's a big pain point for 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 deployments, unfortunately.
0: I know. I wish I had the answer too, but I don't. <laughs>
1: I, no, I think what we can do, and and what we've done from a sprint perspective, is we've just done awards, and so um, one of the awards that we had in 2019 specifically was for GAL, um, and so when when you see operators having success with their with their robotic programs, that success can then build success, and and I think that's a direct result of of the awards that we issue. And so if if we talk about 2019 one one award that sticks out the most and that's for global scaling would would be for dow Um, so dow did indeed win an award for global scaling and the way that they did that was by deploying five platforms so this was a pilot that they did Um, they deployed five robotic platforms those that was a cage drone a ground crawler a magnetic crawler a compact tethered crawler and a video ray submarine and so these five robotic uh, platforms were then collected in one kit um, that was uh, then staffed and supported by an engineering team, deployment team, to go out and, and deploy these these five robotic platforms. And so with, with these robotic toolkits and these, these teams to deploy these, um, VAL was able to significantly reduce uh, confined space entries in 2019. So this, this actually was work that was be- begun in 2017. And from 2017 to 2019, um, they eliminated over 3,000 confined space entries. And that's, again, 3,000 separate permits to go into a uh, confined um, environment. That accumulated to more than 37,000 exposure hours um, uh, that, that were eliminated across Dow globally. And in fact, one Texas plant was able to eliminate 100% of their turnaround confined space entries, and so that's one turnaround with no confined space entries. Honestly, I think that's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. That is just a significant achievement um, um, for Dow, and and so they've they've reduced uh, a significant number of hours, and, and we're saying 37,000, but in in honestly, in my previous conversations uh, since since this award, I think that number has gone up by at least ten times. So uh, they're just getting better visibility on their tasks and, and can then quantify the impact on, on man hours, which then translates to cost savings and, uh, and, and savings in terms of, of, of risk.
0: That's a great win to share because we've been talking so much about what does the future look like when you can see it play out in a facility or even across you know, a global company that is willing to you know, make the investment and take that step. Uh, you can really see the benefit and they have real-time data that they can share and that they're willing to share to talk about, hey, this is possible. You can do this if if you're willing to invest and you're willing to have a seat at the table and advance this type of, of technology. And it's more than just technology advancement. It really, truly saves lives.
1: I think that that's the, the key is that just removing that person from that environment is all, you know, is is already um, a savings in itself.
0: What would you recommend industry leaders do to embrace the change that's coming?
1: I would just say to start establishing the correct team, you know, we we have we have subject matter experts um, but but not everyone is that fortunate. Not every operator has a cleaning and fabric maintenance subject matter expert who has, who lives in the North American time zone that has availability every two weeks to sit on a one hour phone call. And so if you don't have that, you know, those parameters that fit into that narrow, tiny box where we meet biweekly, my advice would be to just connect with, with the Sprint Robotics Collaborative, connect with Anyone who's connected to the community, because we, we're we're so connected, it's really a luxury that we have, that that is unusual and that makes it really unique. Is we have all our owner operators calling us daily, and that's that's just such a such a a motivating thing to see. Is when you have the owner operators contacting you so frequently, and they're so motivated, and and the solutions that that we're bringing attention to are so impactful and can and and can allow people to to work safely. Um, gathering better data, doing, doing work uh, to a higher quality, faster, um, by, and collecting more data. If it's an inspection, you're absolutely going to more, collect more data with a robotic system than a manual system. So uh, I would just encourage anyone to reach out to Sprint and connect with Sprint. Download the Strategic Roadmap that's available for free on the Sprint Robotics website. That is our most expensive document that we make available for free. And that's really the Bible for Sprint. When you look at robotics for oil and gas, that, that document will give you a great insight to, uh, to what the big plan is and, and what we're trying to do by, by meeting weekly and bi-weekly. So that would be, be my recommendation. Just, just check out the strategic roadmap and then, and then reach out to whichever region you're in for Sprint and, um, and, and just co- connect with the collaborative, because uh, um, since our inception in 2015, we have just grown significantly. And, and in light of this unfortunate pandemic, um, we just see further acceleration for our motivation for deployments. And then also with 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 storage tanks being full across the globe, we also are having a a significant response to our in-service inspection guidelines.
0: Well, I think everybody needs to uh, to have a seat at the table, and otherwise, we're going to get left behind. I think that's the most important thing to take away from all of this is it's happening and it's happening all around us. And it has been for years, but I think the COVID pandemic could certainly speed up some of these initiatives. And I'm afraid that people who don't embrace it are, are going to be left behind because it, it it's definitely happening.
1: It's happening. It, it's just accelerating the change, absolutely.
0: I agree, I agree. Well, I thank you so much for uh, being on the show, Stephen. This was a, a fantastic interview and and very interesting. And I think that our listeners will uh, will really appreciate your insight. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. It's a pleasure to get to talk to you and and get to know you, and I just Hope that anyone who has any questions uh, feels free to reach out t- to me. As I as I'd like to make myself available uh, for anyone as a, as a technical resource. My my perspective on the industry is that we we absolutely have to 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 leverage success to build success. So uh, I just want to make that known that that I'm available as a resource for any reason. Please don't hesitate to reach out. And and um, and it's a very exciting um, um, transformation that's underway.
0: All right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. We hope you appreciate it. We're always open for ideas. So uh, if you would like to hear from somebody in the industry or about a particular topic, you can email me at carrie.siggins at stoneagetools.com.